Welcome to the Rockin' Life podcast, Rockin' Life After Divorce. And today, you will be in for a treat. My friend Jimmy Brecker is a former Navy SEAL. He's a member of the Elite Parachute Team and currently an airline pilot. And he went through a very difficult period in his life around 10 years ago when he had went through a divorce and uh, dealing with addiction. And uh, going from there to now being happily remarried and uh, actually a friend of his ex-wife. I think that's awesome. And uh, if you like this podcast, I would really love if you would share it with friends. And especially if you have friends that are either going through divorce or has gone through divorce. I would really appreciate that. And also, if you want to go in and like us and give you a review on Apple or Spotify or Google, and uh, you can also go in on our Facebook page, and you just search for Rocking Life Podcast, and you will find us there. I really uh, appreciate that you are part of our listeners and uh, look forward to connecting with you. And if you have questions for us, you can click the link in the podcast description and record your question, or you can email email it to the email address in the description. You all take care and enjoy this interview. Today I have my friend, uh, Jimmy Breixbrecker, that I haven't talked to for a very, very long time. You know, it's probably been... Uh, since 1990-something, beginning of the 1990s. And that's how are you doing, uh, Jimmy? I am doing fantastic. It's blessed beyond belief today. Thank God for one more day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoy, you know, you and I chatted a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I reached out to you because I knew that you had gone through a divorce uh, a while back. And uh, this podcast is all about getting to know people, uh, interviewing people that has gone through the, a divorce, but also th- uh, gone through it in a, in a good way, been able to move through. I want this podcast to be a catalyst to, uh, for people, mainly men, uh, maybe women as well, that listen, uh, that are stuck or want help. And uh, I think that's a key to, for people that listen to really get help. And uh, I reached out to you, Jimmy, to, to hear your story. I, I think we really connected last time. We had a wonderful, wonderful uh, discussion. And a little introduction to you, Jimmy. I know that uh, you are a believer. You're a Christian. That's one of the most important things in your life. And uh, you are a former Navy SEAL. And uh, you also were part of the elite Navy parachute team. Love to hear a little bit about that as well. And uh, you're currently an airline pilot. You are remarried with Marnie. And you're on the journey. Right? I am blessed, Barry. Yeah. For me, going through a divorce was one of the most difficult things in my whole life. A very difficult time. But it's also helped me to open up and become authentic, to become real. And uh, probably the most life-changing event in my whole life. And uh, for me to be become authentic has meant so much it's like 
it's life changing to be able to be you instead of pretending to be somebody you're not. So how how has that affected you? I agree. Uh, when you said the most difficult time in your life, that I, as you were saying that, I was comparing it to losing my dad. He died 36 years ago, August 6th. So I was just thinking about him again a couple of days ago. It was a long time ago, but he was my best friend. And I grieved losing my dad. I didn't have the Lord in my life, so it was very difficult. Uh, and then I then I fast forward, as you were saying, comparing that to my divorce. And divorce was so much more um, detrimental in my life, affected me so much deeper on so many different levels. And I, I professed to be a, a follower of Christ during this divorce. But, you know, I look back on it, and another thought that came to mind was our, I was going to church. My wife and I then were going to church, and the pastor and his wife asked if we wanted counseling. And I would say most of me wanted counseling, but the other part of me wanted out of yeah. my relationship. I didn't know how to be a good husband because I wasn't truly following Christ the way I should have. So even through counseling, my heart was not in it. And the whole time thinking, wow, I'll get to be single and life will be greener. You know, the grass will be greener on the other side and all those things and uh, light at the end of the tunnel, however you want to look at it. But that's all a lie. It truly is a lie. So, you know, being on this subject right now, I would encourage people to um, think about that. Think about what I just said. It's not greener on the other side. And some people think it is. Who's a saying that says the grass is greener on the other side, but it still needs to be mowed and fertilized and all those things, you know. So that that time going through divorce was, uh, it was, (laughs) the word comes to mind as a downer. Because I was depressed for a good solid eight months, um, moving into my own apartment by myself, and these my boxes of things that I had were stayed stacked and in boxes for like eight months. My kids, who were teenagers then, would come over, uh, spend time together, and I'd have an apology every time for them. Oh, sorry, I didn't get a chance to unpack my boxes yet. When in reality. I I guess I was in denial and I didn't want to unpack my boxes, not acknowledge that I'm divorced now. Yeah. And it was, it was really hurtful. Not only hurt me, it hurt my wife, hurt my kids and in a, in a very deep way. So it truly was, like you said, life changing. So uh, going through from the actual divorce, but then also moving through, you said you're dealing with depression, loneliness, how did you move through that? Did you have help in any way? Or did you do it yourself? Did you have friends that supported you? How did you do that? Well, Perry, it took, it took a lot of time. And in the beginning, I chose to isolate myself, which is very common behavior. But I was also deep into um, pornography addiction and drinking. So not a good combination there. They feed off one another. And so it it causes even more loneliness, more isolation. And, but that was the choice I made to do that. And it, it, it really just 
maybe sink into a deeper depression. Yeah, so once I came to the conclusion after sitting around in my apartment that I have got to change my life, I've got to pick myself up and, you know, um, do the things I need to do to be the dad, even though separated from my wife, still be a good dad for my teenage daughters um, who were 13 and 15 then. So started reaching out to friends, family, uh, brothers in Christ, started to serve again in the church. Um, I love to I love to lead worship. I love to be part of outreach. Yeah. Um, used to be in charge of that ministry in, in church, and I love doing that. So I started being a part of those things again. And like I tell my my kids, I said, if you're ever depressed, one of the greatest antidepressants is reaching out to others. Exactly. Serving others. Yeah. yeah. Because you step out of yourself, you step out of your pain, your loneliness, your sorrow, your depression, your darkness, all that stuff. And it just, God does something supernatural to your mind and your heart and your whole spirit and just lifts you up out of that pit. So those were absolutely, absolutely key things for me to yeah. do. To, to reach out and start helping other people got me out of the loneliness. Uh, first of all, you know, I was uh, finding a friend and, uh, you know, I went through, I traveled back and forth to Sweden, so it was a little difficult. I was brand new in the area of, you know, where I moved. It was five, a little over five years ago, or six years ago, we actually moved to, from Sweden and uh, to move to the U.S. And so I didn't have a lot of friends, but uh, I got involved in the life group at church, uh, and, and they were so supportive. And um, also to, to find a friend that uh, we actually roommated, and I know you also roommated. So I, I, one of the a guy in the life group just reached out to me because he had just gone through a divorce too. He was uh, living by himself, so he invited me for for dinner to, to his place, and he asked, you know, if you want to. You know, I was lev- living at Airbnbs at the time because I was traveling back and forth to Sweden, and. Uh, then he said, you know, why don't you just live with me? You know, I have a, an apartment, I have an extra room. Might as well just live here instead of living in the Airbnbs. And it was such an amazing gesture from him. We were very different, me and my friend. But, uh, you know, he's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. He he, he was kind of quirky in, in some ways, I think. You know, he's, he's an amazing person. I, I He's my best friend right now. He probably said the same thing about exactly. you, though. Exactly. Huh? You know, I'm, I'm very quirky <laughs> we as well. Quirks. So, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, because we're so different, but we're we're, we're so good yeah. friends, and uh, we we started to really understand each other, and we could share with each other. We shared the difficulties. We would argue, you know, about different things, and and it was uh, it was crazy. But uh, in the beginning, but we we started really get to know each other. But it took time, and uh, why don't you share a little bit more about that as well? You you also roommated, right? Hmm. So, and while you were talking, uh, Psalm 40 actually came to mind. And I call it my life psalm or whatever you want to call it, that when I get to minister to other men and come alongside of them for you know whatever needs they might have, it says, David said, I cried out to the Lord. And he heard my cry. And he pulled me out of the pit, out of the muck and the mire, and he set my feet upon a rock. And he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to my God. And when I really just took that to heart, it was life-changing for me. And then really just seeking seeking the Lord. And 
moving fast forward, so a few years into post-divorce is when I met uh, Keith, and he was instrumental in walking alongside of me to to uh, be free from pornography. I had that addiction for 45 years, uh, drinking, a lot of drinking my whole life, military, the whole thing, and so it was a volatile combination. So this guy comes along, and he's going through divorce. So it's kind of the same thing. Uh, like you said, Per, I'm a, a airline pilot, and I was actually leaving for a trip one day, and he called me and said, hey, I, I got no place to go. So I stopped by his place, rolled down my window. I go, here, brother, here's my... Here's my keys to my apartment. You know, stay two, three weeks, whatever. And so he took me up on it. He stayed a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. So, what a generous person you are. <laughs> well, thanks. But it was life-changing for both of us. And talking about God's Word and how it just spoke to my heart. He and I, I'm looking at my kitchen table right now. And he and I spent countless hours at that table face-to-face fellowship and one man to another being transparent being vulnerable i mean telling our deepest darkest sins that's that's pretty amazing when two men can do that crying together laughing together spending that time in the word and the word of god is living and active and it just it radically changed us both um, it helped pull us both out of the pit. It's like we were both helping each other out of the pit, you know. So of course God was in the middle of all that, and it was it was absolutely life changing. I mean, I can remember a couple nights staying up till one, two o'clock in the morning. We're man, how long have we been sitting there? Five hours again, and it was just amazing. And we're still in fellowship today. This was uh, five years ago. He moved out. So, and he, he since has gotten remarried, found a, a great God-fearing woman, as I did, and so, yeah, it's key. That fellowship is absolutely key. I was talking to a brother in Christ yesterday, and I basically just put the question to him, who are you? And he didn't know what I meant by that. And you go on, we go on with, well, I'm a, I'm a pilot, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. Well, when you're in Christ, you are a child of God. And you are his son. You are a co-heir with Christ. And those things, getting back to one of your original questions, were life-changing for me maybe four or five years ago. When, And I, I've professed to follow Christ for the last 20 years, obviously a work in progress, yeah. coming out of the porn, like coming out of the drink. Like all, all of us. Things. Like all of us, that's right. And so... When I finally took God's word for what he says and made it personal in my life, and I literally took that just captive from my life, speaking it out, speaking my name in God's word and believing on his promises, that's when my life truly began to change and change for the better with the joy, the healing, being content in my relationship with the Lord, not needing anything but him, and that was just so key. But it did start with that fellowship with um, my roommate Keith. Yeah, it was a very similar story in in that way. You know, I had a roommate for a year and a half, and prior to that, during my marriage, I was not I was not authentic in many ways. I pretended, like especially in church, it's like weird. We, we attended a church back in Sweden that was, I feel, inauthentic. The pastor would not share 
the difficult part it was more about the positive things and they preached so much about you have to stay married and barely talked about divorce and uh, uh, me going through the divorce first of all I pretended in church to have a great marriage and that's probably a big part of why our marriage uh, uh, crashed you know I, I was not real I wasn't authentic and uh, it, I felt so much shame going through the divorce and uh, I would not go back to the church just because I felt condemned. I felt like a failure. It's an author called uh, Brene Brown. She has written a book, many books, but uh, she's you know she's a shame researcher, and she, she she writes in the book that shame wants you to keep quiet about what you're shameful for. That way, the shame stays in you. But when you start sharing about the shame what you're shamed about, that shame will dissipate. And me going through, you know, starting to share about my divorce, first with my friend, my roommate, and we, we had these discussions as you shared too, you know, we, we would sit and talk and talk and talk and pray together and uh, <laughs> had an awesome community. It's really the first time in my life that I had a friend that I could share anything with that wasn't my family. It's like... Uh, where you can really start being authentic and real. And it's like, it's nothing better, you know, it's also transformed my, my Christian life. When you're living a fake life, you can't have a good relationship with the God, I think. It's very difficult. So, And also going through a, a difficult time, sadly enough, a lot of people, they, they run to God when it's difficult, but when it, it's, uh, you know, easy, it, maybe you tend to not have that great relationship. So I was forced into to really do a soul-searching of myself and really do a deep dive into being a better version of myself. And that's what I've been working on for the last five years. And uh, getting a counselor was one of the keys. Initially, we got a counselor in the, in the family. And uh, the counselor, and I was going through great uh, loneliness, borderline depression, it's, uh, it was very, very difficult the first year and a half probably. And I told my counselor, I'm so lonely. And then she told me, reach, reach out to a few friends that you, you trust and start sharing about what you're going through. And that's what I did. And those are my absolutely best friends now, the, the people that I started to open up because then they started opening up. And then we developed this, this awesome relationship. And I think that's also one of the keys to, to move out of divorce in a good way, to have awesome support around you. If it's a, a counselor, if it's a, you know, initially a counselor, a, a mentor. I got a mentor as well in, in John Maxwell. Uh, and I got uh, a coach. Uh, so in getting that support. And uh, my podcast is called Rocking Life, Rocking Life After Divorce. And why I got that name is, is mainly because I love rock climbing. I started rock climbing oh. with the kids six months ago, and uh, I have four kids. And uh, my oldest son, Eric, uh, started first, and then all of us started trying. And the life is a lot like rock climbing. I think uh, rock climbing has so many analogies. It's uh, when you go through life, you're going to have rough patches, and you're going to have a path that's easier. But uh, if you're going to climb a big mountain and uh, it's a difficult mountain, you don't go up there without a guide. You don't go up there without having people that already have taken the journey and uh, because they can show you how to go past these difficult parts of the journey. 
And uh, rock climbing, when you do indoor rock climbing, you do bouldering, it's called. I might climb up halfway and then I fall down. And uh, then there are a bunch of people below you that's resting. And some people are very advanced. And then I ask one of them, how do you get past this part? And then they will give you a hack, they call it. Say, okay, if you take this grip and you take this grip, you'll be able to get past that difficult part. And then I try it and I try it, try it. And then I get past that difficult part. So I have a friend or a counselor, whatever you want to call them, that can help you along the journey. And having these people in your life is so important. It's like, I think we men have a difficult asking for help sometimes. And I think that's one of the keys to to really make this journey through divorce in a very successful way to get these people around you. If it's friends, if it's counselors, I think you need to have both. What do you think? Oh, amen. <laughs> you just reminded me, I was out in Michigan visiting my mom a couple of weeks ago, and I was standing there reading the directions to something she wanted me to put together, and she goes, oh, look, a man that reads directions. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so we had a good laugh, and, and my wife appreciates that I like to read directions, too. Uh, so, so, I, so I do things correctly. I arrive at my objective, my goal, correctly, and I don't leave tools and parts laying around. So it reminds me of, you know, we've got God's word as our direction, our compass, our guide, like you described, your guide to help you up the mountain, to navigate through those difficult parts. And it's absolutely key. And that was one of my prayers going through, you know, that tough time post-divorce in that loneliness, in that depression, in that pit. God, just give me a hunger and a thirst for, for for you again because uh-huh. you know he he knew how i felt he already knew i mean he, jesus went through so much more than that so asking for that desire number one um to help guide me out of the out of the place that was in and and he did god is faithful and he gave me that desire and then finally it just kept building and building on that so but as far as men go yeah so I'm the kind of guy pair that will go to church and I want to talk about the Lord, yeah. you know, and talk about sports or whatever. That's cool t- to me to initially build a relationship and, you know, ha- find something, uh, common ground with another guy and then, you know, build that relationship and eventually hopefully talk about meaningful things. But me, man, I just want to dive right into it. I don't care if I know them or not. Hey, what'd you think about the sermon, man? What'd you say about Peter? Wasn't that awesome? That's how I want to connect with men, and more men need to just step up that way and realize that there's guys out there like you and me, Pair, that want to talk about the Lord like that. We want to talk about um, going through divorce, I'm having a tough time, I'm struggling with porn, my drinking, whatever it is, and we need that help. We need more transparent men like that, like your roommate, my roommate, I mean, just open up, you just... Just let lay it all bare before each other. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, my roommate helped me to be, uh, you know, taking step to you know because he's very open. He, he's extremely open, and I was more closed up. But being able to talk and communicate about anything really helped me to to take this this journey of of progression and become a better version of myself. So, and. Um, 
But this is this is so important. I think the listeners are really going to get a lot of. My goal is to be, for this to be a catalyst that they're going to feel hope because it's very easy to be hopeless in this situation. You might have strife in the, in the divorce. You might have strife with your kids. When you go through divorce, it's, it becomes very difficult in many different ways. And like you shared. Your dad passed away 36 years ago, but you said the, the the divorce was so much more difficult. And I've thought about that a lot. My dad passed away 20 years ago, and that was that was difficult. And I still mourn him now and then. I think about it. I wish he would have been here to see me, see my kids. And I didn't get to spend this quality time with him. He was on the mission field for 10 years. We didn't have a lot of time. And then he just passed like so quickly. And um, going through a divorce is like a long, drawn-out mourning process. My wife was my best friend. Uh, but we did have a very difficult time in, in you know the last few years with a lot of different things and, and strife. And uh, Move through that is a morning process. It takes time. It takes. Uh, it is definitely difficult. And um, if if you look back, I know that you your parents got divorced when you were young. How did that affect you? And did that affect the rest of your life in any way? Did that affect your relationship, your marriage? Well, my parents divorced when I was about thirteen, fourteen years old, and my dad he was my best friend. And so that was really hard. I can still picture myself laying there at night crying on my bed as a young teenage boy, young man, however you want to look at it. And because it's a sense of loss. Like when I lost him when he died, you're, I'm losing him to, to our home. He's, he's moving out of our home. So that was, that was very, very detrimental to me. And I mean, we hunted together, we fished together, we loved doing those guy things together. And here he is, choosing to leave his family. And so, you know, fast forwarding through that, it it bothered me for a long time. And I believe without knowing it, as a young man, I, I acted out wanting attention or something like that. And I got a lot of trouble in school. I got trouble in the military and things like that. You know, I, I needed our guide that we were talking about a few minutes ago. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't have that, so um, it, it did really affect me. And then fast forward, becoming a follower of Christ, I I wanted to take a look at that, and I had to take a look at it as a God. And it reminds me of Psalm one thirty nine, uh, verses twenty three, uh, twenty four. It says, "Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Show me." Show me, God, if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And what I mean by that, is there any unforgiveness in me? So I was looking at that. God, show me if I'm harboring resentment or bitterness or unforgiveness towards my dad, um, who already had already passed away by the time I came to Christ. And I, I couldn't see anything. And I think, you know, God did that work in my heart, giving me a new heart when I did come to Christ that I didn't harbor any of those things. And I had to look at it toward my mother as well. But, you know, praise God, I didn't, I didn't harbor those things because it does deeply affect us. And if you don't mind me moving forward a little bit on the subject of forgiveness or unforgiveness, I held on to that post-divorce with my ex-wife for about three years. And 
I would be the first to admit that I wasn't the best husband in our marriage. I would say that the majority of, if you're going to break it down to percentages, I was the biggest, largest percentage of the cause of our divorce because of the life I lived and being very selfish and the pornography, the drinking, all those things. And um, I wasn't blaming her for divorce, but I was angry at her for going out and getting a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the reality yeah. of it. We decided we we're going to get a mediator, save that year and a half, save that typical fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 paying lawyers. But she went out and got one anyway, and it made me angry. Well, I allowed it to make me angry, I should say. And so I hung on to that. And it took me about three years to come to a place where I finally I called her up one day and, you know, bring it out to the Lord. said, God, help me with this unforgiveness. And so I called her up and, and I, we talked. And we talked like friends. I wasn't angry or mean. I just finally came to the place. I said, please forgive me. You know, for the husband that I wasn't or was, um... And then she actually said the same thing. Wow. We both apologized to one another because we were still friends, but not so good friends post-divorce then. But once we came to that place and we both said, I'm sorry, forgave one another. And the, 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 the words, I love you, not as, hey, you're my, still my wife, yeah. not that way, but I love you with the love of yeah. Christ. And I care about you. I care about what happens to you. I care about your salvation. Once those things were laid to rest and there was no more unforgiveness, we were like best friends today. Yeah. Wow. And this was 10 years ago. And we'll talk. Hey, how you doing? You know, she's remarried. I'm remarried. And we still have two daughters yeah. together, you know, we care very much about. So it's really cool. I mean, she stopped by a week ago and brought rhubarb over to give to my wife, Marnie, so she can make rhubarb pie. Awesome. I mean, what, how great is yeah. that? <laughs> that know? is so awesome so, to hear. It um, is. God can do a mighty work um, if we do our part yeah. and we really want to make amends. Yeah. No, I, I think that is uh, a key. And, and that was the same thing or is, you know, currently a problem in our in our relationship, to be honest. It's like uh, uh, initially my wife filed for the divorce and uh, – I I made it, one of my biggest mistakes in my whole life was to counter sue her in the divorce because you know we had just moved here from Sweden and uh, uh, we just came here so I could not see myself you know I didn't have a, a work permit I didn't have a green card so I I filed for full custody definitely one uh, one of my biggest mistakes in my whole life to to aggressively pursue the the divorce in a in a counter suit and. Um, that uh, I, I did drop that after three weeks, and and uh, I I pulled away my my countersuit for full custody uh, to have joint joint custody. But that that I think that is a big reason why we still have a hard time to to becoming friends. There's so much fear and hostility in the relationship, and I I would say that one of the most important things to have a successful divorce is to be friends of your ex-wife and also for your kids for the sake of kids you can have your kids the rest of your life together and uh, also for your relationship to the kids and also for the kids sake 
be friends. Try to do anything to be friends of your ex-wife. Uh, that is my uh, my thought. That's I think that's one of them. Uh, definitely a very very important thing. Now I, it might not be possible in all situations. It's always two two parties, but uh, I do, uh, truly think that is a, a very very important thing. It's so happy to hear that you you t- took the pride away, whatever it was that's holding you back, and you you reached out and said. Uh, and I think that's also a guy thing. A lot of times, I think guys have a h- harder time. To, to let go of that pride and step over and say, you know, forgive me without any conditions. Amen. I mean, you've heard the saying that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Yeah. Unforgiveness affected me. Yeah. My unforgiveness didn't affect her. She didn't even know I was harboring those things in my heart. So once I released those things, it just made such a difference. And I love, you know, I'll share with people that in the state of Utah, this is back in 2008, I don't know if it's still the same, state of Utah, they require prior to um, granting a divorce, you are required, if you have children, you're required to go to um, a meeting that talks about these things. And the best advice I heard was, you know what, you may not be friends, maybe you're enemies, or you don't have a good relationship, but if you have children, make this... Um, Make your interactions like a business transaction. You don't have to love the person, but you should treat them with respect and dignity and kindness and, and do that for the sake of the children. So actually that really, really helped my whole perspective and outlook. So when we had dealings with our kids, we were able to do that in a, a good civil way and eventually, you know, the love of Christ and his love for me changed my heart radically that I I love her I pray for her I pray for her husband you know and things like that so it makes a big difference yeah yeah I totally agree it's uh, things that I'm working on and uh, I hope to uh, truly have a, a great relationship with my ex-wife that is my prayer that is definitely my my uh, my intention 100% and uh couple things that we talked about last time to you're now remarried and uh, you have a wonderful wife Marnie and uh, I heard so much about her I'd love to meet her someday and uh, you had developed things that that kept you together it's like uh, you mentioned motorcycle riding was a therapy for you and then you taught her motorcycle <laughs> riding <laughs> yeah how's that yeah it's it's you know and I gotta back up from that because I was in a relationship post-divorce that I never should have been in. So that was part of a learning experience. And and the whole time, I wanted to do this. Jimmy wanted to do this. And I could just sense God's hand almost sometimes literally on my chest holding me back. You're not ready yet. Uh She's not the one. You know, whatever, however you want to look at that. Till I finally came to this place of being absolutely content in my relationship with the Lord, where I said, God, I could finally say it one day, God, you know, I am absolutely content whether I'm going to ever be married again or it's just going to be you and me for the rest of my days. I am content. Thank you for bringing me to this place. And that that took time. And then after a time, he brings Marnie in my life. 
a God-fearing woman, amazing woman. I met her in prison. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a whole other story. We'll take that brother. next time. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. But I mean, through a whole thing of events, a whole um, order of events that he he brought us together after meeting in prison, and it was a, she is just an absolute gift to me. I see her, I treat her that way every day. I say, you are my gift, I cherish you, I love you, and God's given you to me, uh. and I don't deserve it. And she says the same thing. I don't deserve it, but God did it anyway, because he loves us. Yeah. He absolutely loves us. And anybody listening to this, he loves you with an everlasting love, and he has his very best waiting for you. You seek him with your whole heart. He's there waiting for you. Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I really want listeners to hear that. You know, I want the best. You know, Jamie wants the best for you that are listening. And if you're sitting there with deep, uh, a deep depression, uh, it can be loneliness. It was, you know, a lot of bad thoughts when you go through a divorce. To really reach out, if you're a believer, go go to church and tell them. You know what you're going through. Uh, find friends. Find a counselor. Definitely one of the the keys to to getting out of there. Don't stay at home and just thinking it's going to get over with. You have to take action. You have to get out. So, but uh, just a, a last uh, little bit there. Next time when we talk, we're gonna uh, we talked about initially here that uh, we'll we'll uh, do another s- session here, uh, maybe in, in a few months, and uh, talk. What would you like to talk about next time, Jimmy? That could help somebody to set them free, to get them out. Or we can talk about kids. You have two wonderful daughters. And uh, what are the best practices for somebody going through a divorce to really support your kids going through a divorce? Yeah, I'd like to, uh, I would love to talk about all those things. Um, The first thing that pops out in my head that really has stood out um, is addressing the heart. The, the, the spiritual heart is absolutely life-changing. It made uh, a, a, a radical 180, transforming uh, the caterpillar to the butterfly transformation wow. type was God removing, it says in the book of Ezekiel, removing my heart of stone, replacing with a heart of flesh, putting a new spirit in me. And until... Your creator does that for you. If you're living, you know, as as an unbeliever or a believer that's not following him and living in habitual sin, maybe like I did with the pornography and the drinking and all those things and living for self, um, the the life's not going to change. You won't have that joy. But God did that heart transplant for me. And we can expound on this next time we talk there. But I think I think I'd like to address the, the Let's heart. Let's do that. I'd love to talk about that, and I, I know that, that that was a big thing for me to really open up both to to God, but also to other people. Instead of being a closed up shell, open up and be transparent, authentic. Let's do that. Uh, I think that would be great. And uh, just to everybody that listening, like I said, uh, our podcast name is. Uh, Rocking life, and uh, the reason why I call it rocking life because I want you to be able to rock your life 
it's a journey. It's an everyday journey, and, and uh, it's important to live today. If you have a bunch of things and stuff and harboring a bunch of unforgiveness in the past, that's going to hinder you. To take that step of forgiveness is so important. I know that you mentioned that as one of the, the keys for you, Jimmy, to really forgive whatever it's in the past so, so you can move along. That, that unforgiveness is just going to hold you back. And it's holding you back by, uh, by not forgiving. When you, when you forgive, that releases you. It has nothing to do with the other person. And it's so, so crucial. So uh, we'll round off there for this podcast. And I say so thank you for joining my podcast, uh, Jimmy, one of the first guests on my podcast. A lot of people are going to hear this podcast and uh, if you have any uh, end thoughts that you want to leave with the guests that are listening. I do. A couple of things. You, I like the name of uh, your podcast, Rockin' Life. And the root word of rocking is the rock. Yeah. And you look through the Old Testament and it speaks of the Lord, the rock of ages. Stand on the rock. Set my feet upon the rock. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a solid foundation uh, to stand on. So, um, yeah, I, I leave you with that, that, you know, if, you, if you're um, not walking with him, that you would just seek him, that you would ask God uh, to do that work in your heart, uh, whatever's going on there. If you're going through uh, divorce or a rough time in your life or post-divorce, that um, you would just seek him. Seek the comforter. He will comfort you. Yeah. And just be patient with yourself. Uh, that it does take time. It's like grieving, grieving loss of a loved one. It's, that's exactly what you're doing. So it does take time. But his, his word says he will never leave you and never forsake you. Yeah, it's such a good uh, uh, ending of this podcast. So I look forward to see you next week. So every week on Mondays, I release a new podcast for a, a new guest with a, a new inspiration and uh, you know, hoping that it's going to be a catalyst for you to start moving in the, in the upward journey towards the summit of the mountain. So see you guys later and you take care. Uh-huh.